Who do you want to be as a leader? What are the blind spots you're missing? If you had a magic wand and you could change anything about your workplace, what would you do with it? These are the kinds of questions we explore on Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt. I'm a keynote speaker, emotional intelligence coach, and leadership trainer who partners with executives and emerging leaders who want to achieve extraordinary results for themselves and their organizations. You're in the right place if you're ready to cultivate the self-awareness to be the leader you were born to be. Let's go on this journey together. Welcome to Inspirational Leadership. I'm your host, Kristen Harcourt, and we have another fabulous guest. Today, I am going to be speaking to Suda Duvedi, who is the Chief Human Resource Officer at Terranet. Suda is a passion, passionate champion of inclusion and diversity, ensuring Terranet is a progressive workplace where everyone has a seat at the table and that all voices are heard. Mm -hmm. She specializes in creating large-scale employee engagement and development programs that bring the company's culture of continuous learning to life throughout the employee's tenure. Welcome to the show, Suda. Hi, Kristen. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, I'm really excited for this conversation, and I think you're going to just have so much valuable insight to share with um, our audience. But as a starting point, I always like to give the audience an opportunity to get to know you a little bit better, Suda, in terms of your journey and your story and what got you to where you are now doing this wonderful work in the world. Oh, wow. Thank you. That's a long story. (laughs) Uh, uh, So look, I've been in HR almost 35 years now. Um, But uh, so it's, it's interesting. I went to McGill University because I'm from Montreal originally, mm-hmm. uh, born and raised. And uh, in my undergraduate, I was in a psychology science program uh, because in my family, everyone was encouraged to go into the go into the sciences. I it wasn't I wasn't feeling it though, Christian. You know, I kind of did it because you know all my siblings did it. It was a thing to do, and I was sat in one of these classes and I took. Um, Uh, an elective called organizational behavior and I sat in that class and I in within the first week it was like a light bulb went off in my head I go wow this is what I want to do and I want to work in this field so my dad uh was a professor and uh, he was traveling uh speaking at conferences and when he came home he said so kids what's new I said well I've switched out of the science program I'm now in the industrial relations program because I want to work in human resources he said, you want to do what now? <laughs> this is what I want to do. And so, you know, I, I, I powered through that program, loved it, loved my experience. And, um, you know, my first job in HR, you will laugh at this because back then we didn't have the internet, right? People were sending out paper resumes. Remember, I don't know if you won't remember those days, but I do. And I had bought this book called the 100 best companies in Canada work for, for, for women. And I looked up all these different companies. I sent out hundreds of resumes, not one call back, not one letter back, nothing. And so I started telemarketing myself and I would pick, I would call early in the morning, hoping to get the manager of HR or somebody uh, that a gatekeeper would let me speak to. So I called the Montreal General Hospital one day because they were on that list. Donna Pasteris was the director of HR and, and I called at 7.30 in the morning. And I said, oh, hi, can I, my name is Suda Devedi. Can I speak to Donna Spisteris, please? 
just this is Donna. I almost swallowed my tongue, Kristen. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I actually have someone live. So I did my little spiel. Hi, my name is Suda Devetti. I'm a recent graduate of the McGill Industrial Relations Program. Could I have a moment of your time to talk about a potential opportunity or volunteer? She said, sure. Come in on Monday. I'll give you half an hour. So I went in on the Monday. Uh, we had a great conversation. In Quebec, you, they call it a stagiaire, which is a, a uh, volunteer piece. I did that for a couple of weeks. They hired me in a contract and then full time. And then it just went on from there. After that, I went on to do my, my master's. Uh, but I just, my career progressed from there. And I knew, I knew when I was there that early, I go, wow, I'm in, I'm in the right profession for me. If I look back on my career of 35 years, there are always great days, bad days. We have that in life, regardless of what you do. But I love what I do, Kristen. I just, I love it. Mm. No regrets. I can see that it comes through um, so vividly. And, you know, it's interesting. And as you're just talking about that, I think when we even talk about um, HR, and we were talking even before we went live, you know, it's oh. not just human resources, it's like humanizing work, and there's such yeah. an opportunity. Um, but I think sometimes HR also can get a bad rap and sure. it's a perception of what HR is and what HR isn't. And I'm curious, you know, with 35 years, you've seen a lot around what goes on in, in HR. And I, I guess it's twofold the question. Why do you where do you think that reputation comes from? And what would you like to see different in the field when we start to think, you know, you're talking to other HR professionals? What would you like to see more of from them? Yeah. So, look, I think every profession has the great apples, the bad apples, whatever you want to call it. Right. Um, but you know, HR can sometimes be seen as the policy pushers or, you know, compliance people. And um, sometimes that, and sometimes that's necessary. There are compliance factors that we have to ensure that an organization follows and people follow. So when there's a risk involved, yes, we want to make sure that we are ensuring that there's the safety of our employees, physical, mental, the whole gambit. You know, when I think of running HR departments, and even as I grew up in the business or in the craft, you called it humanizing people at work. I've always seen it that way. Who you are at work, you bring your whole self to work, right? So you have to look at people of not just what they do at work, but their whole life. So if you have great impact with them, for them at work, they'll have a better impact at home, right? So, you know, you, you have to understand people as whole beings not just what they show up and do for you, right? So if you care about people and care about employees, then that's only better for them and it's only better for the organization. And I, I know that sounds sometimes that sounds like lip service. Oh, those are like just values on a wall or people say that, but they don't do it. It really is what you do more than what you say. I can say I care about you, but if my actions don't prove that as an, HR professional, as an HR leader, as an organization leader, then it doesn't matter, right? So I think when we talk about, you know, we talk about um, organizational leaders, HR leaders, we really have to, you know, um, do what we say, right? So even if you think about in your personal life, you can tell someone you love them, right? But if, if your actions don't prove that, then those are just words, so, you know, in the HR profession, you know, you, you know, we're, we're managing or helping to manage and support the organizational strategies of performance, talent, culture, all of that. So in a way, there, there is a bit of a burden on HR to ensure that we are the ambassadors of that. 
and that we are ensuring that people are behaving and acting that way. So when I, when I have leaders in throughout my career that said to me, or I've come to them saying, Hey, you know what? Like Mr. X or Miss X over here is not performing well. And they have poor behavior and they say, Oh, well, wait a minute now, Suda, like that's a, you know, this person brings in great numbers. I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's just take a step back. We have these values. What does this mean then? Because if we don't do what we say, then this means nothing. Yeah. So you got, you got to live by example, you know, and I think we just need more managerial courage that way, organizational courage that way to really have people live by what they say. I think what you're saying is absolutely critical. And, you know, in, in, in my career in the last, I would say last 15 years where it's really been different aspects of, of supporting humans in this way, and especially leaders, NHR leaders as well. Um, I think that's what happens sometimes. And ultimately, uh, ultimately, it's sometimes where it is saying, listen, you're saying these are the values, yet yeah. these behaviors are being tolerated yeah. and having the conversation over and over again, and then just realizing for them, they had to leave the organization organization because it was no longer a culture fit for them because they weren't getting any support for the fact that there were leaders that were really not aligned with the kind of workplace that you're trying to create. And you can only say it so many times. And if nobody's going to do anything about it, then it felt for them that they're actually not in self-integrity because they're staying in an environment that's supporting those kind of behaviors. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's so important when we talk about values and culture it really should be the operating model of how you work each and every day, right? That's the DNA of what we have at Terranet. Um, you know, in the in the tenure I've been here, we introduced an employee value proposition, you know, for what it means to be a Terranetter, right? So when you live and work here, what does that mean to you? What does that mean if we want to attract people to Terranet? And so, you know, we did it like grassroots where employees are part of developing that. We didn't get a consulting firm. We don't need that. People at Ternet will tell us what it feels like to work here and why they stay here and why they want their friends and family to come and work for us because of the culture and how we act and how we behave. So it really is, you gotta live it, right? You gotta live it. And um, and I really can't emphasize the point enough about you've gotta care for your team, for your people as a whole person. And if anything, the pandemic brought that out even more for us, right? So we know we can work from anywhere, but people, you know, uh, have to be on screen. Their children are not in school. They don't have daycare. Their parents are may not be well taken care of in a long-term care. You have to really submerse yourself in their lives to understand what's going, what, what's going on with them. What do they need? How can I support you as a whole person so you can be your best self at work? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you got to mean it. You got to mean it and you got to show it and you got to do it. Yeah, exactly. And and it's, it's absolutely the actions speak louder than I say actions and words because saying those words, but the energy of those words that really come from a place of not, how are you? Let's move on to the meeting. Like, how are you? Like what's going on for you? How can I best support you? What do you need? Yeah. What do you need need from me? Yeah. yeah. And, so, and sometimes that might be, you know, I am going through a really tough time and I am having some mental health challenges. Okay. Well, I might not be the most qualified person to support you with that, but here are some resources and I'm going to check back in with you and I'm going to make sure that you have what you need and, and really make sure that that human is feeling really supported. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 
So tell me around um, when you came into Terranet, you know, you get to come in and see um, opportunities for different and you talk through one initiative that you did. Um, tell me about the different things. I know you're really super passionate about DEI work as well. And I know for you, when you're doing DEI work, it's getting at the root as opposed to, oh, we're going to do this DEI checkbox exercise. It's 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 coming from a deeply believing in, in this work and why it's so important. So I'm curious when you came in and saw different opportunities, what, what have been some of those things that you've implemented in at Terranet? Yeah, so uh, it's been a great journey and it's still a journey, Kristen, right? So we are on this path and I think we're going to be on this path as organizations and as society, right? So we created uh, employee resource groups. So we have three that are currently running right now. Uh, one for women in leadership, we call it gender equality leadership. Uh, the other is the BIPOC group. And the third is the group for the LGBTQA2 plus group. And within that, we have different programs and initiatives um, that the group was leading and that they bring forward to the organization. And it's it's right now we're focused on education and learning because you got to understand the differences to help bring people together. You know, so if you can understand a difference and look at a difference of we can be different and, and still support each other. And I can be your ally, right? If you, you know the term of allyship, right? So I may not be a member of your group, but I am an ally because I support the advancement of this group, the equality of this group. So we're really focused on learning right now. So people understand what it means for women who have who look at, you know, when I look up, I see, you know, there's myself and our CIO who are females on the executive team. I see people in the leadership team. That's an aspiration for me. I see a woman of color on the on in leadership, right? Do we have enough? No. Are we getting there? Probably in time. But it's understanding the differences and the learnings so people can see that differences don't have to pull people apart. If you understand those, it can actually bring you together, you know? So it's really more about the learning right now through education, through speakers, through events, uh, where people can have a circle, I call it psychological safety, where I can ask those questions, um, you know, freely and openly and not feel any repercussion of what I'm trying to learn or who I'm trying to be. You know, I can be my true self at work. Yeah. Yeah. So important. I think, I think what you're saying there too, and, and this is what I hear when people are really um, embracing this work is recognizing it's a journey that's never over, right? There's never many over. different layers. And so at this point, it's really about educating. So people start to understand and have a safe space where they can also ask the questions because yeah. there are a lot of questions. People don't necessarily understand all of these different, there's so much to learn and unlearn and having a safe space where people can um, feel comfortable sharing and learning from one another, I think is uh, highly critical. You know, it's funny, funny, not funny, <laughs> funny, not funny. But, you know, as a female leader, person of color, part of me feels like, why are we still talking about this? Why aren't we there yet? Why aren't we there yet? We should be. We should be, but we're not. There's still underrepresentation in all of these groups. And um, there's so many factors why. So part of it is, okay, we've got to, we've got to keep putting this work in. Uh, I wish we were there, but we're not. 
Well, and I, I, not to make this a political conversation, but we've had some things going on in the U S recently that yeah. it's like, Oh, it feels like we've gone back to the 1970s. Yeah. Yeah. It feels yeah. like, Oh, we're here again. Right. So when we start to think of oppression, yeah. there's just, it feels like it's complicated and there's so many layers and then you yeah. take three steps forward and two steps back and one step forward, four steps back. Yeah. I, I suppose that's the evolution. And yet that doesn't, I, I also want to honor everyone who's uh, part of that marginalized group and experiencing it, yeah. how difficult that must be as well. Sure. You know, and I've, I've said to the groups as we have different events that it takes an entire community, an entire society to, to march hand in hand, right? Because otherwise marginalized groups can't, marginalized groups can't advance unless everyone is part of the solution, yeah. right? So, um, you know, we're on this journey. I think we've had great impact so far. Uh, certainly when you have your own teams building those programs, uh, that makes a difference. We're not having consultants come in. We're doing it all grassroots. We're having those conversations uh, in-house uh, with our teams to see what we can do to help advance the uh, the strategy because it is a strategy, right? If, if you want to move forward, you have to have a strategy behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, when we start to talk about strategy, I think that any organization, there has to be a very intentional strategy around leadership, mm-hmm. because if we don't support the leaders and, and, and help them learn all of these skills and, and you and I, and I want to talk a little bit more about this as well, um, in a couple of minutes around coaching, because yeah. really leaders are coaching, mentoring, um, helping individuals learn and grow. And they also have to be constantly learning and growing. It's a, it's, it's on both sides. My experience is that some organizations really get this and mm-hmm. there are supports and there are very strategic, intentional initiatives in place to help leaders. Yeah. And then I find on some organizations, there's nothing. And you wonder why the leaders might struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me a little bit around how do you support your leaders to give them the tools to be able to not only be able to achieve business outcomes, but be able to help lead um, the individuals on their teams. Yeah. So I love this question. You know, I'm, you know, you know that I'm a certified coach and I, this is my passion. So certainly the uh, leadership has the opportunity to have executive coaches, leadership coaches, that is hundred percent. Some have taken advantage of it and, you know, we continue to promote that. So if you develop yourself, you can develop others, right? So, and it's a pay it forward mentality. Uh, So they certainly have that opportunity uh, across the organization. We are now launching a formal mentorship program. We actually are starting that with our ERG groups first. So they get first pick of mentors. And then we're going to continue that journey into 2023. When we move into 2023, we're actually going to expand the mentorship program and start a formal coaching program in-house for the organization. Because, you know, mentorship and coaching are two separate things. Right. So it is 100 percent part of our culture. People do take advantage of it. Again, it really is about developing the leadership so they can develop others. You can't give what you don't have. Right. So um, and there's a lot there's a lot on a leadership on leadership shoulders, right? organizational strategy, organizational development, people development, getting the numbers, getting the revenue. But if you can take that time as they do to focus on themselves, then they can give back. 
Yes. And, and you and I both believe in this so critically because it's this whole transformational journey. Yeah. You learn more about yourself. You recognize um, how to show up differently with people. You can connect more deeply with relationships because yeah. you've gone to these places. And I think what you just brought up there is important too. Um, I'd love to hear how you would, the, the distinctions you would make between coaching and mentoring. I, I don't know about you, but I remember when I did in my, when in my coaching program, they said, there's coaching, there's mentoring, and there's consulting. Yeah, and people, <laughs> I remember that. right? And it's like, yeah. a lot of people in their coaching are doing a whole bunch of mentoring and consulting, yeah. and they're not actually doing coaching, which are very different things. So I'd love to get your take on that. Yeah, so it's interesting, because, um, you know, mentoring is really talking about yourself and sharing your experiences. So sharing your experiences and how you're talking about yourself. And that person is learning from your experiences. Oh, Suda, you did this. Oh, I'll try that path, right? And coaching is really about the, the individual coming up with their own solutions, right? By asking the right questions. So uh, a mentor, you're talking more. Mentee's listening and acting on that. Coaching, you're talking less. Coachee is, is developing their own solution because as your coach, with your questions, you're helping them pull out their solutions that they already have within themselves. They do. They yeah. already know, right? But they've got to they've got to pull it out and your coach helps them do that. So those that's the best way I can distinguish that. Yeah, I think that's great. Um, so uh, Suda and I were both trained at CTI, um, which went, used to be called Coaches Training Institute, but it's now Coactive Training Institute. Yeah. And uh, getting used to the new name. And one of the things in the, their model that I love so much that spoke to me on such a deep level is it's holding that we are all naturally creative, resourceful, resourceful and whole. <laughs> I love it. I, love and yeah. I mean, I can't get enough of that. And I can't tell you yeah. how many times it showed up in coaching, yeah. not necessarily just for that individual, but for that individual to help their understand a team member yeah. and somebody yeah. who they are not actually holding is naturally creative and resourceful and whole and taking on too much. That's not really theirs to take on. But what I love about it so much is it's recognizing so often leaders, like you were saying, have so many things on their plate and being pulled in so many directions that they don't actually give themselves the space. And I think coaching is such mm -hmm. a beautiful opportunity to create the space so that through people asking them powerful questions, they actually have the stillness to be able to hear the answers that they always had. Yeah. They just haven't been able to access it because they haven't necessarily had the space or sometimes be, they haven't thought about that question in that way. And it can be yeah. bring so many breakthroughs. Absolutely. It's, it is sometimes easier to be the mentor. I find if someone says, Suda, what should I do? Oh, you should do this. Da, da, da. Here's what I did in that situation da, da. versus, well, what's the situation? What's possible? What could you do? Well, then what would you do next? And then they, they've already come up with the answer that they, right? That shows them down the path. And and then there's more commitment to that, as you know. Yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. It's really great. I love it. You know, when I think about leadership and and um, and the, and being a coach as a leader, because it, it really is part of your job when you're a leader to be a coach. It, it's all about serving people. Right. And I and I find even when I do interviews uh, for p people coming into leadership and I ask them, you know, well, you know, why do you want to be a manager? Oh, it's the next level in my career. Oh, OK. And if they don't talk about serving others and bring bringing out the best in others, like they're just they're not going to make it to the next round. 
because that's what leadership is about. It's not about you. It's about others serving them so they can be their best selves. They can live their best, uh, do their best work. Yes, yes, yes. And the best leaders are always creating other leaders and being able to see things in them that they might not be see, be seeing in themselves and helping them to reach that potential, giving them opportunities to um, have those stretch goals and be going on these pathways that they might've not even thought about themselves because they might've held themselves in this smaller box. And as a leader, you're helping them to see even more possibilities. Let them make mistakes. Mistakes are good. Mistakes are you're supposed to make mistakes. We're all human, right? Yeah. We're all going to make mistakes and you learn from it and you move forward. Yeah. And it's again, creating that psychological safety culture where it's okay to make a mistake. I'm going to stretch and do this. I might not get it. Okay. That's where you help come in and you help them out. Yes. Yeah. You've already spoken to some of the qualities, but I'd love to expand on this a little bit more. When you start to think about, you know, when I called this podcast inspirational leader uh, leadership, mm-hmm. it was about those qualities mm-hmm. that an inspirational leader possesses. And so you've talked to some of them, which is, you know, they are here to serve and to mm-hmm. coach others. What are some of those qualities that you see in the best leaders in your organizations or Suda might've been some of your best leaders, like the ones who really inspired you and had the biggest impact? It's a great question. So, you know, for me, I have had the pleasure of having great leaders and some not so great leaders, right? You, you learn from both, Kristen, you learn from both. And I think the ones for me were that really pushed, pushed me to step out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, I, like many people have this um, internal voice that tells me, not good enough, not smart enough, can't do it. People are going to figure out that you're a fake, all that whole imposter syndrome things. And, you know, that shows up quite a bit. So for me, the best leader was that said to me, you're going to do this. I'm like, no, I can't. I'm like, oh, okay. What am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, so that was like, for me, the best, like push me out of there saying, okay, you can do this. And again, I'll catch you if you fall. I'll help you out if you if you make a mistake. It was it was that safety net, but also pushing me, knowing I had a safety net. Yeah. You know, the yeah. trust, yeah. the trust, and just recognizing that they saw that in me too. You know, that they could see that oh, I'm I'm kind of holding back because I I don't want to not be good at something or yes. fail at something. Yeah. That to me is the like the biggest thing that has pushed me forward. You know, mm, mm, so good. Listen, that voice is still there. Like she's alive and well, like I have, I just know how to tone her down now because I recognize it better than I did 20 years ago. Yes. Yeah. Know? Yes. But yeah. I, you know, I think when you talk about inspirational leadership, Kristen, and this might sound cheesy, but I really believe it. And this is how I act. Like, I love my people. I love my team. And, you know, some people might say, well, what do you mean? Like, that's such a personal word. But when you're working with people every day, it is personal. You know, it is professional, you know, and it's both. And, you know, when I think about them and, and um, you know, what they want to accomplish, I really believe that you have to care about them wholly in that way to want the best for them, you know? I know like sometimes we think that sounds cheesy, but that's who I am. Like I, and that doesn't mean I, I've always had fantastic performers in my entire career. You know, I've had uh, folks on my team that weren't great performers, but if you truly care for somebody, you will give them that feedback. 
Yes. Yes. When I hear you saying that, I really, I do see love as a verb. And I think so often people misconstrue love as in the romantic love. So we couldn't say, and I'm like, I always talk about leading with head and heart. Like this is love in a non-romantic. It's in like a fully deeply caring about that human mm-hmm. in front of you. And mm-hmm. I honestly believe everybody at their core, un- unless they're psychological, you know, a, a yeah. sociopath or psychopath, no, <laughs> right. I'm not going to, that, that yeah. in general at our core, yeah. we all want to do that. And I think that goes back to, again, the whole coaching piece. If you haven't, if you can't, see yourself and accept yourself fully and all of that, it's harder to be able to give in that way and be able to be as caring and uh, love those humans around you. Having said that, as I said that out loud, I do notice a lot of leaders who have that deep compassion for others. Mm. Part of their journey is to be able to also tap into that self-compassion for themselves because they'll have higher expectations. They'll, they'll totally be okay. And um, not that they wouldn't have high expectations for the people around them, but within reason, whereas mm. they won't have necessarily that same level of self-love, caring, compassion for themselves. Oh, I'm still working on that for yeah. me. Sis. I'm still, I'm still that's a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 54 this year. I'm, I've still got that journey to go through. Yeah. Kristen. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Baby steps, Suda, baby steps, right? Every day. It's funny. So many, it's something that I see a lot with the, because the leaders that I support tend to be high performers, ambitious, care a lot about others. Um, Some of them, I'm always teaching them just around like, oh, what does it look like to even, to even be able to receive when people are trying to give it back. Right. And I say to them, like, listen, you don't have to say any words, just kind of put your hands and just say, thank you. Yeah. And then nothing else. And just practice receiving because receiving yeah. can be um, quite vulnerable, mm, vulnerable mm, action. Mm. You know, uh, you're absolutely right. And, you know, the word you just use vulnerable, again, as we talk about inspirational leadership, that is a word that I use with my leadership team all the time. It's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. It's okay. It's okay to admit what's not working to your team. Right. So, you know, we have town halls regularly. Many of us on the leadership team have shared with the entire organization that we've used our EAP program, that we have struggled at home with one way or one relationship or another or somehow, um, because we want people to feel comfortable in going to EAP using using the mental health benefits that we've had. We've increased those in the last year to make sure that people are getting the support they need at work, outside of work. I would say five years ago, I can't think of one leader that would have said that they were using EAP or therapists to help them at home. Yeah. And it's showing that vulnerability and having no shame in it to say, Hey, you know, I'm human. I'm using it. You should use it too. This is how it helped me. Yes. I mean, I just, the connection that gets created with that. I mean, Brene Brown does so much wonderful. And he's like, yes. Right. She's yeah. done so much great work and yeah. is incredibly vulnerable around, listen, this is what I do. Like get into my head and hear my voice on a daily basis. I'm still a work in progress with all yeah. of this stuff, but yeah. um, I love how she's created more space for people to recognize how 
we're all wired for connection and how Mm -hmm. much vulnerability actually deepens our connections with others. Because now people see you, Mm -hmm. you're allowing yourself to be seen and they're like, Oh, you're human. You're not infallible. Like you're someone who has all of the imperfections because that's what it means to be human. I don't even want to use the word imperfections, just your humanity. And it welcomes in these, um, these beautiful conversations. And I think more acceptance for all of us, like that's just part of the ebbs and flows of being human. It's not this like straight linear pathway. Oh, I know. I mean, and what enjoyment would there be in that anyways? Right. Right? I say that all the time. You'd be so bored. You'd be so bored if it was just this straight line of all the same. It's, it's, Having said that, I know I, I want to acknowledge sometimes it can be very painful if you're going through a difficult time and having resources and supports really important, but yeah, that is the full range of emotions. That is the human experience. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and we bring those to work. You can't just leave that at the door or leave it when you turn off the zoom call or teams call it. It's, it's part of who we are. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Again, it's about caring about everyone. And so you know what's going on in their lives so you can support them in what they need that day or that month or whatever it is. Yeah, exactly. Um, So Suda, I'm thinking of some people who are listening right now and, you know, they maybe haven't implemented a lot of things in their organizations and they hear what you're saying and they, they want to start doing things, uh, making some changes. Mm. If you start to see some of the organizations out there, which we won't name names, but I'm sure you've seen some where they have some challenges and some dysfunction. And and sometimes even I want to be honest, some toxic behaviors happening in their workplace, Mm. what would be some recommendations you would give to either HR or maybe Um, as you were saying as well, HR might be that ambassador, but each leader is also part of owning culture. What would be some recommendations you would give to them for a starting place, what they could do to try to make some changes? It's tone at the top. You have to start at the top, you know, so it's CEO, the C-suite, ensuring that those behaviors and uh, that they're living the values day to day, walking the walk, talking the talk, you have to start there. When it, when it comes to changing a culture or a behavior, it has to be tone at the top. And look, if, if you can't change that and you're an HR leader, go work somewhere else because there's only so much you can do. If you're not going to influence the leadership team to uh, live the values and then cascade that within their own functions, you can only fight that battle for so long and then it's time to go. And I've, I've made those choices in my career as well yeah. uh, over the, over the years. Right. So, um, but that's where I would start uh, because if you don't have the support of the CEO and the leadership team, you, you won't, you won't get the organization. Right. Because people look to that. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It needs to be being modeled yeah. from the top in. Yeah. And it's still an understanding that you're not going to get there tomorrow, but you're starting to take steps and actions towards that vision. And, you know, as a nature leader, you also have to have the, the courage to have those conversations. Right. Um, and to be upfront about it. And it's not, it's not just, this is what you do. Here's what you do. Here's the impact of that. Here's the impact of that in the organization. Right. So to have those examples, as well and, and not just talk about um feelings in a way but behavior has has impact on the organization and what does that look what is that impact yeah right yeah. 
So showing those examples, but it really is honestly, Christian, you got to, you got to get to the top of the house. And, you know, uh, what I say to folks when they ask me for um, tips, when they're interviewing, ask questions about the culture of the organization you're joining. Lots of people will say, we have a great culture. Well, what does that culture look like? Right. Give me some examples, right? Ask for examples, because if they go, uh, 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 oh, we have a baseball team every year. I'm like, okay, that's, that's great. But what else? How are those jobs <laughs> enacted in the organization? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and you want to, you want to hear about that. And then you can judge also, is this a place for me? Does this match me personally as well as professionally? Yeah. When you're choosing the organization, but you know, for HR professionals, it's, it's, it's a tough gig, Kristen, being in HR. It really is, you know, because, you know, you, you know, you're, you have a, you have a mindset, you know, what the organization needs and, 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 you know, you've got to coach your leadership team because that's your role as the HR leader to be the internal coach. And, you know, some of them will get there, some of them won't. But if you have the support of your CEO, you can do a lot. Yes, yes, absolutely. And I've seen that where, um, you know, using uh, the example of uh, flexible workplaces and especially Mm -hmm. hybrid with what we've had going on and where they said, nope, everybody has to come back to work. And it's like, "Mm, let's take a step back. Yeah. Let's ask some questions. Let's really get clear. Is that actually the only decision? Like maybe this can look different. And I've really seen some organizations have uh, taken a step back and been very intentional and asked questions and thought outside of the box and didn't use what happened with this pandemic as a like, okay, well, this is what it was. It's temporary. We're going to go back. Well, no, like a lot has changed in the world and it's not about going back. It's around what does that new vision look like? And I've talked to some HR leaders who said like, we, we had to have a a, a difficult conversation and say, I, I, I don't think this strategy is necessarily the right one. And I think that's what you're saying with the courageous conversations. Absolutely. So we we took a different approach uh, because Terranet uh, pre-pandemic was in, uh, primarily in-office culture. So what we did was, so it wasn't just my voice is what I'm going to say. This is why it was a different approach. We, we did a cross-functional team uh, with different leaders across the organization. And, um, you know, they put together the plan on what would work in a hybrid model for us. And it was uh, not just a pit. And we had a steer co that had different leaders on the organization and you know that whole team and the steer co came forward with a proposal to our ceo to our board and you know of course it was accepted because we know that change is inevitable right so if you don't change you're going to be outdated right and so um you know was it an easy conversation at first no was it a really difficult one to get through no it, it's it's always that initial how's that going to work what's that going to look like are we have this amazing culture because we're in every day and people talk to each other they have these you know conversations we're an agile group Da-da. okay yes that was then what two years have shown us is that we can perform really well still this way so when you have data to support your argument or your position yeah. it helps right wow. so we had a cross-functional team different leaders across the organization data to support and was like, this is the way we're going to be working now. Nice. And I think it's really helped um, our organization and individuals. Look, you know, the, people have to learn to lead differently in a hybrid environment too. They no, don't necessarily have all of the skill sets. So my team in the, on the L&D side that we have are putting together, have put together um, courses and learnings for managers on how to lead in a hybrid environment because it's new for them, you know? So 
this is what we're gonna do, but we also have to put the mechanisms in place to support those leaders in what this looks like for them going forward. And, you know, what I said to the team as we were launching this is that, you know, sometimes change is today we did this, tomorrow we're doing that. That's the change cycle, right? But we have at least the um, ability in this pandemic to use a dimmer switch metaphor, you know, like slowly, slowly. So we, we brought teams back in cohorts, slowly, slowly, right? To see how it felt to come back in. What does it feel like to be on a subway? You know, let's, you know, you know what I mean? So we, we did that dimmer switch. So it was a slow start coming back in. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really great approach. And and like you said, having the data to support yeah. it is, is really going to help in all of those conversations. Data-driven decisions are important here and here also matters. Yes. I <laughs> mean, anyone who's listened to this podcast, you know, I'm always saying head and heart, not head and heart. one, not the other. It's both yeah. of them. We need yeah, to both of them. Comment. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, Suda, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I always like to give you an opportunity to leave a final thought, whatever's showing up for you right now. Oh, what a great question. You know, um, I've just enjoyed this conversation so much, Kristen. I could probably talk to you all day and to your uh, listeners, but I, if I can leave anybody with um, any kind of thought, um, you know, be your best self every day, live your best life, and if you care, put yourself out there, the, the energy will come back to you. It really does. I really believe that. You put your best energy out, it just comes back. That's how the universe works. It really does. It's You have a choice of who you're being every day. I think that's yeah. so, so good. Um, thank you for being here today, Suda. My pleasure. Can I come back? Of course, <laughs> anytime. You are welcome, welcome, welcome. I know we could talk about so many things for hours. Um, and for everyone, wherever you are in the world, I'm saying good morning, good afternoon, good evening, sending tons of love. And please, if you've enjoyed this podcast, go on to whatever major podcast platform you're using, write your reviews. And I always love to hear from people as well. So send in an email, what you want to hear more of and what you're learning with the podcast. Thanks so much. Bye, everyone. Bye. Please remember that meaningful change requires space and grace. Practice self-compassion and become the ripple. As you transform yourself, you transform your workplace and the people around you.